0: Welcome to Salem, the podcast.
1: We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides.
0: My name is Sarah Black.
1: And I'm Jeffrey Lilly.
0: And today we are talking about Rockefellers, or you could say the First Church, or Daniel Lowe and Company. Anything I'm missing there? No. Well, no. And not in that order. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> a, a, a non-used
0: plot of land?
1: What? They they gathered there to worship before they built the building.
0: I wouldn't consider that non-used. Non, it was non, being non used. structured Okay.
1: And then there's a structure, and there's another structure, and there's another structure. Now there's the structure that there's there now.
0: Yes. Yes. So the Daniel Lowe and Company building, I think a lot of us know it as, or the First Church. Yeah, or
1: Rockefellers.
0: Right, which is currently a bar here in Salem that I'm sure a lot of you have been to. I think it's kind of a hot spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's centrally located, which is also why it has been in use like this for so long is because of its location.
0: And supposedly haunted. We'll get there. We'll get there. Like all the other places in Salem. (laughs)
1: Like last week. We'll get there at the end.
0: Yeah. We are kind of following this cool little restaurant vibe. Yeah. And we may, fingers crossed, have a nice restaurant interview for you next week.
1: We will see. We will see. Crossing all the fingers.
0: Dotting all the I's. Crossing all the T's.
1: You got to dot the J's too, by the way. A lot of people forget that.
0: It's just because your name's Jeff. Yes. (laughs) But first, we got some tour time. I don't. I do. I start in two weeks. Jeff starts in two weeks. You better come with some damn good stories to Uh, start. That's on them. What do you got? So I wanted to issue the biggest shout out to Gladstone High School over in Oregon. They were just an awesome group of people. They came all the way over here? Yeah. In high school? In high school. I think it was a charter school, private school, one of those two. They were on a nine-state tour. I think they went to like 14 cities or something. They had seen Hamilton the night before. And I think Salem was one of the last stops they visited. Philadelphia, New York City, um, Virginia, yeah.
1: Public education done right, or I don't, I don't think it was public. There were education done right.
0: Yes, definitely. That's, that's pretty awesome, right? I mean, I think they traveled more than some people get would, to, yeah. in their lives. That's a
1: good uh, social cultural. Wow, that's pretty good. They, I assume they did Boston and yep. all the all the. Uh, Stuff there.
0: Yeah. Nice tour of New England. And they were just great kids. I don't know if I've ever mentioned on here that my first time doing a tour for high school students was a couple of years back. And it was not a fun experience <laughs> yeah, at no, all.
1: On Wednesday, you were not
0: terrified. Nervous. D- apprehensive. apprehensive. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> that was good. Um, very apprehensive because that first group I ever gave a tour to... Uh-huh. It was, I'll cut him some slack. It was like 9 a.m. And they did not dress appropriately for the weather. They were definitely cold, but it was like stone faces the whole time. And like, I get it. History can be a little bit of a drag, but like I'm not a drag and I know the tour is pretty damn good. Um, They just weren't, they weren't feeling it. So you had given me some tips. You're like, pick on them, bully them, do whatever you have to do. (laughs) I didn't even have to bully them. They were in it from the beginning and it was great. And they were asking questions throughout the tour in between stops, like as we're walking from place to place, just asking all these great questions. And um, one of my favorite ones was someone asked, what's the most mundane, lesser known, fun fact about Salem? And I I was like, I got to think on that.
1: Most mundane and lesser known fact. I don't know, like what would I?
0: Yeah, how would you respond to that?
1: I might do like, the muster.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Like
1: the birthplace of the National Guard.
0: That's a really good one.
1: Because it's also like kind of lame.
0: <laughs> Why <laughs> Why would you say that?
1: Because it, it it was the first muster of uh, uh, multiple towns in, in one area. But it still wasn't called like the National Guard. Like it wasn't like an actual formation, like official proclamated anything. It was like... Salem and several other towns all gathered in the Salem Common, right? So, but that is what was then sort of the precursor to, which I guess also makes it interesting. You're mm-hmm. we like, oh, the birthplace, thing. but I'm like, but,
0: at this- but it wasn't called the
1: National, Guard. right? Yeah, right. So it's like, a-
0: I said, and I don't even know if this would classify as mundane, but I said that Salem was the capital of Massachusetts for six months during the Revolutionary War. That's a good one, and he was he was into it. Okay, yeah.
1: Uh, See, I I wouldn't classify that as...
0: Right? It's not very mundane. But maybe to an outsider, it is a little bit. Because like every state, every colony has a capital. I don't know. I couldn't think of anything. It was good though. I got to obviously put someone on trial and so many. So I asked any volunteers and like probably 10 to 15 hands shot up and I'm like, Hmm, does anyone have a birthday? And I got lucky and someone's birthday was that day. So she came up, she did so well. It was great. They were just so just such a great group of kids. And I think, I hope some of them are listening now. Thanks guys. It was funny. I think by stop three or four, One of the girls asked if I had a podcast. And I was like, oh, that's (laughs) funny because I do. She said, because of your voice. Not like she had listened before, but it was just the voice that prompted her to ask. And then at the next stop, one of the dudes was like, you should do ASMR. You have a very soothing voice.
1: Oh, I can (laughs) see that. I don't like that at all.
0: I wouldn't even know what to do.
1: It's, It's creepy.
0: It's a whole different realm like whole different I, world. I know
1: people like love it, right? They're like, oh my gosh, whenever it comes up on like a feed or something, I'm watching. Like, it makes me so uncomfortable. Like the sounds and like the way they're like whispering, and it's like da, 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 like tapping the shit and crinkling the paper, and like it gives me chills. I'm like, it's so uncomfortable,
0: but like not good chills.
1: No, no, not like good chills. Like I'm like, this is it just it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I,
0: don't well, know. I think it's the new thing. So. Yeah,
1: well, great.
0: I don't think I'll be doing that, but <laughs> thanks for the tip guys. So again, shout out to Gladstone High School. You guys were awesome. Thank you so much for making my night. I actually kind of went into it with like not the best mood. I was just kind of off yesterday, and by the end of it, I was on I wouldn't say cloud nine, but I was feeling good. Yeah. I'm going to ride that high for the next couple days. Good, good. And I hope my next group, which is coming in next week, is just as good.
1: Another another tour group?
0: Yeah. Wow. I don't know if it was I don't know if it's high school or middle school, but hopefully I have a good story for you next week. We'll see. We'll see.
1: They can be fun. They can be fun. I always enjoy school groups. Because like I guess my advice to you is bully them a little bit. But they're like they're uh at an age where you can pick on them a little bit. You can like sort of make fun of them and uh, they kind of enjoy it and their friends all enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So it it becomes like a like you're not actually being mean, right? I want to be like I'm actually bullying children, right. <laughs> right? But it's it's something to get them all like involved and they care a little bit more. Yeah, when it's like a little more interactive and yes. you're like oh, someone's getting like picked on. Oh oh oh. You. I, I remember like I asked one question and one girl like oh oh oh, and like she got it like the first time. The next stop I was like oh, and she didn't raise her hand. I was like what you don't you don't know the answers to all the questions. <laughs> I was like, ooh Jeffrey. Fail that one. I was like, don't worry. Uh we won't like
0: Did she get all red? Like a
1: little bit. Oh. But then like all her friends were like, Oh,
0: and like they loved
1: it. <laughs> and like it was so then it became like a group and it was it was fun. Uh but yeah, they're always entertaining.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a good night. So thank you for making my job easier. So that's tour time. Let's move on to Patreon shout outs. Oh, first we got some local news. Local news. Some big news. Big news makes us makes me regret waiting in line for three hours.
1: <laughs> uh, so, for those of you who've been listening or, or remember, uh, the iconic chop suey sandwich from uh,
0: Salem Lowe.
1: at the Willows, uh, Salem Lowe went out didn't go out of business. And they decided to close their doors. Been in business for decades. Uh, it had been a family-run, generational business, and uh, they, they were they were done. Uh, their kids uh, didn't want to take the torch. That's fine. They moved on to, to other things, retired, closed their doors. So no more chop suey sandwiches. But.
0: But.
1: Another local business has stepped in and rekindled the disgusting, horrific, <laughs> revolting
0: sandwiches. I'm excited to give it another whirl.
1: <laughs> Maybe they'll do it. Differently? Yeah, so we went down on the last day, uh, waited in line for like three hours. Uh, We'd never had one. I thought it was disgusting. Um, I'm
0: so bummed. We lost the video, too. Yeah, we got
1: video of the whole thing. and
0: Well, we'll do another one when they reopen. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, so this time it is going to be run by the owners of Spitfire Tacos. Which is amazing. Which are our favorite tacos in the city. Highly recommended Spitfire Tacos.
0: I would think that they'll do pretty well. Like flavor-wise and food-wise, just based on how their tacos mm-hmm. are.
1: So they're getting the space and reopening, and, and that should be pretty cool. So definitely looking forward to that. I don't think we have an opening date yet.
0: I don't think so, but I'm really hoping it'll be like around the same time that the other Willow's mm-hmm. shops open. So usually late spring. Oh, I can't wait for the clam shack to open. So there we go. <laughs> Lobster rolls.
1: We can go split one of the the gross sandwiches, so we don't have to eat the whole thing. And then eat a lobster roll to cleanse the palate. Yes, yes. Deal. Dressed as lobsters.
0: Okay. No, I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) We don't have lobster costumes yet. No,
0: but when we get them, I'm just going to show up at your house in one.
1: (laughs) Knocking on my bedroom window. I'll be like...
0: Let me in.
1: Let me in. Let me in.
0: All right, now on to Patreon shout outs. Yes.
1: So starting off this week is... Ellie Ress.
0: Ellie Ress. Thank you, Ellie.
1: Appreciate you.
0: And then we've got Alan Brunn.
1: Thank you, Alan. Thank Very you. Very much appreciated. Thank
0: you, Alan. I hope I said Brunn correctly.
1: I was like, it's got to be Brunn, not Brun. I
0: think it's Brunn.
1: Uh, and again, if, if we do get your name wrong.
0: We will re-say it. Yeah, just let us know.
1: Uh, following next, we have Denise Stanford.
0: Thank you, Denise.
1: Oh. I'm not actually going to say it, but love your email. Address I was just going to say I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> won't won't say it on the air, but love your email address there. Oh,
0: we got another Sarah and it's spelled correctly. Stop. No, I'm sorry. No offense to Sarahs without an Stop. H. Thank you, Sarah Freeman.
1: We appreciate you, Sarah. Thank you.
0: Appreciate the H.
1: And next, we have Burton Taylor.
0: Thank you, Burton. And last, but most certainly not least, we have my father, Mr. Daniel Black. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Dan. Black Dan. Right? Like, right. It's have, so cool. Have you like made that like joke to him at all? I don't think so. Okay.
0: I wonder if he's listened to the episode.
1: I've been like, Black Dan. I'm Black Dan.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I was born with this name. <laughs> right?
1: Mr. Black. Mr. Dan Black. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll push him a little bit. About it, yeah. <laughs> Just wait till he finds out about the nudes; he'll think it's hilarious.
1: I'll get him. I,
0: I. I so you gonna get it, my father a historic nude? Is that what you're saying?
1: I may have. I may have ordered <gasps> stickers. You
0: did not. <laughs> can I have one? Of course, you can have. I'm gonna one. put it on my snowboard. <laughs> oh my god, Jeffrey! So for those who. Didn't hear, because I only, put, I moved that into bloopers.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Because it was just too much. Okay. Um, but as we were talking last week about Jeffrey's, I think it was last week or maybe the week before. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about the historic nudes, um, or nude, I should say, of uh, Sarah Goodridge's top half that she gifted to Daniel Webster. Mm-hmm.
1: So as we were talking last week, and uh, he came and spoke at the hall, and he probably had a briefcase, and I carry a briefcase on my tours, and uh, people ask me all the time, like, what's in the briefcase?
0: And what are you going to say? Nudes. Dude. If
1: if any listener asks, then- I
0: owe them $20, first of all.
1: I will also give them a a sticker.
0: Wow. Yeah. You really did it. Yeah. 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 How big are the stickers?
1: Like uh, two by three. So just. It's about
0: it's about the size of the miniature painting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I need at least one of those, please.
1: Absolutely. My gosh.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that whole chunk got smushed down and thrown into bloopers. And remember, if you are a speaking of Patreon, if you are interested in hearing bloopers, I usually throw them in at the end of almost every episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, but Patreon exclusive.
1: So yeah. So but any listener, uh, if you if you ask me what's in the briefcase, I'll I'll give you a sticker. And I'll also have like I'm gonna print up like little business cards like with the historic uh reference information on it. So you're not just walking away with like like it's cool, but also like why. You,
0: yeah. So yeah. you actually know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you can share it with people. Yes.
1: Yeah. Wow. It was too good not to. Like we made the joke and I was yeah. just like, I just I have to do it damn i do get asked like all the time and now i can have like a really great and like historically important fun answer as well
0: you're welcome thank you is my idea (laughs) not the sticker idea but yeah yeah the briefcase idea all right that wraps up our patreon shout outs do we have anything else before we dive into the episode i don't think so then let's kick this thing off So again, we are talking about a very, very historic location today, Um, not just the building itself, but I think we should also mention the area around it. I think it was in one of our first episodes, I said that this is like my favorite intersection of Mm -hmm. all of town. And you looked at me like with some weird side eye, like who the hell has a favorite intersection? But there's so much that has happened in that small space over literal centuries, I guess you could even say thousands of years because of how old Essex Street is. Probably,
1: yeah. I actually, I got a question the other day uh, from our friend Alexis from Vamp Fangs. So their office is on Essex and they hear, you have your windows open, you hear the tour guides talking. And she was like, okay, so is Essex Street the oldest trade route in the United States? And I was like- Hell yeah. And I was like, yes, probably. Um one, I, one of the oldest one, roads yeah, in well, the United States. I'm not sure I would have phrased it quite like that or used that phrase. I don't know if that's exactly what she overheard, but that's what she asked. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Um, we know it was in use before uh, Roger Conant and the colonists got here.
0: Long before.
1: Yeah. Uh, we have records that has been in use since they got here. So it is at a 100% minimum 400 years old uh, and likely hundreds if not thousands of years older than that
0: if i recall correctly uh sebastian our tour guide from salem night tour told us that it is the oldest road on this side of the mississippi that is something that has stuck with me ever since yeah so a very significant location and then you've got so what we're talking about today is the corner of essex and what is now washington street
1: thanks gw george washington yep so on the corner sits Rockefellers.
0: Yeah, so this is the intersection that has the Bewitched statue. What else is there? Uh,
1: I guess the four corners would be now Rockefellers, the Bewitched statue, the Fountain Place restaurant, and the new uh, Black Cat Curiosity Shop. Run Recent, by
0: recently opened.
1: Our, our friends uh, from Black Cat Tours. But for those of you listening, if you haven't been here in like, the past two months, uh, you're going to know it as the army barracks.
0: So a very historic intersection and a very historic building. Mm -hmm. So it's history in the context of the Salem colonists, uh, goes back even further than the building itself. If you pass by today and you look up, like say you're passing by on Essex street you look up, and on the left-hand side of the building, you're going to see First Church 1629. And
1: that's when the first, when the congregation first met there. So we they, we didn't have a building at first, but they used that area to, to meet.
0: But the building, the first building itself, the First Church of Salem, was built in 1634.
1: So there is a plaque uh, on the side, which, which we were talking about um before we sat. Two plaques, actually. Um, and there, I was I was whinging a little because they were a little...
0: You were confused.
1: Confusing. Um, it
0: doesn't really go in chronological order. It's a little... There's a lot of dates all yeah, mashed together. Yeah.
1: So the first line is, here stood from 1634 until 1673, the first meeting house erected in Salem. Uh, and it goes on. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it does get a little confusing.
0: It's just easy for us to synthesize. Yeah. It's a good word. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Um, So what we're saying is that 1620, so if you look on the side of the building, it says 1629. Then you look on the plaque and it says 1634, and you're a little confused. It's, again, what we were saying. They were meeting here. The first building is built in 34.
0: And it was a meeting house. So both for secular and religious um, purposes. Purposes.
1: Interrogations. You know, <laughs> uh
0: huh, witch trials, that sort of stuff. Yeah.
1: Um. So it's a common uh, central meeting house. Then uh, this is sort of like we just mentioned, and then there's several other things that go on. It's enlarged uh, very shortly after it's built. Uh, it's used for worship, um, and then there's a secondary plaque underneath that says the first church in Salem occupied this spot from 1634 until 1923. And if you get all confused and you're like, wait, hold on, the first line of the first plaque says 34 until 73, and now we're jumping ahead several centuries.
0: It's because the first one is referring to the building itself, yep. and that second plaque is referring to the congregation. Yes. So that congregation will operate from that spot from 1629 to 1923, Yes. which is kind of wild, almost 400 years. Yeah. And then, of course, they merge with the North Church and move a couple blocks down. Mm-hmm. I get that question all the time, like, wait a minute, this says First Church. Yeah. I just passed by that church down next to the witch house, and it says First Church in Salem. And that's why, because—
1: It's, it's the, con- 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 the excuse me, congregational First Church, not the actual first church that was built. right. I hope you have all kept up in the past 30 seconds. There we go.
0: Fingers crossed. So also on that plaque listed are the first ministers here in Salem. So we have Roger Williams, who we've talked about before, Hugh Peters, Edward Norris, and John Higginson. Now, I kind of went off in a little tangent during my research. Mm -hmm. On John Higginson, because I was mostly interested in who was preaching while the Salem witch trials were going on, because obviously this is Salem and we talk about the witch trials all the time. And it's what people want to know about. So it was John Higginson. Mm -hmm. He was in his mid-70s by 1692 and was assisted by junior minister, Reverend Nicholas Noyce.
1: I've I've heard that name before.
0: Yeah, Yeah. one of the judges of the witch trials. John Higginson didn't really take too much of an active role in the trials. He was known for being very harsh on Quakers in his younger years, but I think as he aged, he seemed to come around to just like overall humanity. Um, So this gave him a much more clear lens to view these trials as they were going on, although he was present for the questioning of four-year-old Dorothy Good.
1: Good. Good man there. But again, I think yeah,
0: yeah. if anything, it, he may have you know, had some type of concern for the young girl. That's at least speculation. It seems
1: as such, but he, he was distinctly not involved. And I, and I think uh, that might actually speak volumes to what he thought. Yeah. Because it likely would not have been good for him if he had spoken out against. But by just not being involved it is sort of...
0: As the Salem town minister, it's kind of a big deal. It's a big deal, yeah. He was also present for accuser turned accused turned back into accuser, Mary Warren. And fun fact, his home stood where the Salem Witch Museum stands today. Oh, I had forgotten that. So we're going through all these cool layers of history. He wrote the introduction to Reverend John Hale's A Modest Inquiry into the Nature of Witchcraft, which I've read, but I totally didn't even realize. Also, his father, Francis Higginson, was technically the first minister of Salem, which I kind of found funny that he wasn't included on that plaque. But Roger
1: he, Williams is, is first.
0: Right, but his father had died in 1630, so maybe they just left him off because, you know, it's established 1629, the mm-hmm. building isn't even erected yet and I think on that plaque they're more geared towards like pointing out who preached in, in that in building. The building yeah. Right. But his father was the first minister of Salem
1: at the first church.
0: At the first church. Which
1: is still the first church, but not that church.
0: Right. Okay. Don't confuse them. <laughs> His son, John Higginson Jr., was sworn in as a New Salem magistrate in July of 1692 and took a somewhat more active role. Now, his home used to stand where the Hawthorne Hotel now resides, and he was present for a number of examinations, including Martha Carrier and her family. And according to the Witch Museum, his sister, so John Higginson's daughter, Okay. was actually accused of witchcraft during this. So the Salem town minister's daughter was accused of witchcraft. So Do you know, do you know when? Um, I did not write the date down, okay. but yes, the, the records are there. Um, well, I was
1: just wondering if it was sort of closer to the beginning or closer to the end. I think it was
0: more t- towards the middle, Okay, if I remember correctly. Uh, just a quick note about Mary that probably led to her accusation. She had married... Uh, Mr. William Dolliver of Gloucester and by the time of the trials he had deserted his family so Mary and their three kids she had returned south to Salem to live with her parents so she was living with the town minister when she was accused and it's noted that she was very depressed, obviously. You know, your husband leaves you, you're left with three kids, and this darkness would follow her pretty much throughout the rest of her life. She was questioned, but never brought to official trial. And during her questioning, she did confess to using puppets for counter magic, Ooh. but with no intention to do harm. Of course. Of course. But just wanted to share that fun little fact about the minister that was preaching during 1692. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And speaking of 1692, maybe we can talk a little bit about how this building was used during the trials.
1: So a lot of times we get a little bit of confusion when it comes to trials because we say the Salem meeting house, which it was. But it wasn't the Salem village meeting house the salem town meeting house uh so when we sort of talk initially about the trials and how uh, uh betty paris and abigail williams were taken to the meeting house and they question the meeting house and the the, the specter was seen in the meeting house that's not this meeting house so so there's a little bit of confusion there so try, try and uh, understand again so that difference between salem town and salem village uh but this is still used uh in the trials
0: and but but not the courthouse right So the courthouse would have been down Washington Street. 20 yards? 50 yards? A stone's throw. Yeah, yeah. But this was likely, this was used for some of the pre-trial examinations. Mm -hmm. Specifically for John and Elizabeth Proctor, who were examined there on April 11th, and also Sarah Cloyce, who was Rebecca Nurse's sister. Did we... Did we mention last episode, uh, Clara Barton? Yes.
1: We mentioned Clara Barton. Did we mention Clara Barton was a descendant of Sarah Cloyce? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure.
0: If not, well, now we have it. There we go. Yeah. Go back and listen to the Lyceum episode. <laughs> it's pretty fun. And on the day of Bridget Bishop's trial, reportedly a plank from the ceiling or the the beams was ripped off and flailed around the interior of the church and they they saw this as a sign that they had indeed found a witch
1: yeah i guess so. on the day of her trial execution
0: on the day of her trial okay yeah well actually that's what i had read but i do remember seeing that it was on her execution day too
1: that's if you'd asked me that's what i would have said but i also I can't re- recall some of the finer details off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, I think I read that it was during her trial. Okay, but okay, I'll, I'll double check on that okay. later. So that's 1692. Maybe we can jump forward a little bit to the revolutionary era.
1: So we call this Townhouse Square because, well, there was a townhouse in the square. <laughs> I, it's it, it, we 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 can get pretty complicated here, but we can also get pretty simple. Um. So the the townhouse. And um, if you listen back, three episodes
0: to the Leslie's five, retreat episode. Yes.
1: When we talk about the gathering of the elected officials, uh, when General Gage was uh, in the next town over as as the uh, governor. And when
0: Salem is technically the capital, the capital of Massachusetts.
1: And how the elected officials meet in the townhouse, and they hold that election, and Gage is all like, oh, we're not going to have this, and he sends his representative down, and they kind of leave him literally standing in the cold. We're not sure.
0: We're not sure if that was the building, because you yeah. had read. Yeah,
1: that the townhouse was in the center of the square. Um, but what that square would have looked like in... uh. 1776 where the exact intersections of Salem of of Essex and Washington are today might not be the exact location that that it is today right so it it could have been 10 yards left right or center and now the center of the square is moved
0: and I'm sure we can find out yeah we'll have to message Jim McAllister (laughs) um whether or not this meeting of the delegates that eventually led to the summit in Philadelphia and then the Con- Continental Congress, um, we're not sure if that meeting took place in that building. Mm. Not Obviously not the building you see today, but the building that was standing at that moment.
1: Because it was a meeting house.
0: Right. It, it would make sense for it to be there. Yeah. Um, or if there was a somehow secondary townhouse, as they called it. Right in the center of that intersection so something we got to kind of track down
1: now if it wasn't in the building it was five feet away
0: right Uh,
1: but so many things are five feet away from from that area
0: such a history again that's why it's my favorite (laughs) intersection you could sit there and just like go through history in your mind and see all the different things bridget bishop Being stuck in the stocks. Yep. The first well. The well. The well. Which is uh,
1: still there, quote unquote, sure.
0: There's like a monument to it, I guess you could say.
1: Well, there's the circle in the ground.
0: Oh, I was thinking about the fountain that's right next to it.
1: But there is also the fountain, yeah, Um, which is a newish, newer fountain. There was a fountain, and I tried to find pictures. Have you ever seen pictures of the fountain that was there before?
0: I don't think so. Was it good?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it was like, so imagine if like where that fountain restaurant is outside the fountain place breakfast place because that's
0: um, ah it makes sense. Yes,
1: <laughs> um, it was so sort of like three squares that were sort of stepped and tiered to the fountain at the top,
0: and so all those
1: steps were sort of taken away, and just the the fountain uh is left, which is also not on very often, but
0: yeah, it's very rare.
1: But that's the well that George Washington drank out of, which we talked about, and also Nathaniel Hawthorne writes about briefly. Mm-hmm. So, here we go. We got, we got we got we got Bridget Bishop, Hawthorne, Washington.
0: Yeah, uh, and remember, uh, Judge Hawthorne's yes um, home was just on the other side of the street. Yes, uh, right next to where the Bewitched statue now sits. <laughs> Screw you. So cool. <laughs> so many different things. And then, if we fast forward into the 19th century, so we're in the 1800s, we finally see this building go up. So in 1826, the current building is erected. Um, it didn't look the way it does now, extensive renovations went on in 1874, but it was members of Salem's first church that had laid the cornerstone. Uh-huh. Under which they placed a silver plate that bared the names of past and current ministers. I love uh
1: and I, I don't think that like, that's something that, that should stay there, right? But I'm also like that's something that we should
0: have have. It'd be really cool to see. Right. It. Um Yeah, just just take it out. Like yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um that's that's also a tradition that, that's fairly common. When churches are built to build, to put like a, a memorial or a memento or something uh, at the cornerstone, something they actually used to do in England, Christian churches would tear down uh, pagan places or rituals or memorials or sites and bury statues or heads of like the deities that they'd carved uh, at the cornerstone of where the new Christian church would sit.
0: Interesting.
1: Have you seen a picture of what it used to look like?
0: The This one? Yeah. No, yeah. I did find a picture of... Or like an etching of the first one. Oh, I
1: guess, I guess an etching would be, yeah, sure.
0: Let me see. Let that. me see if this is, oh, no. I did, Yes, I did see this yeah, one. Yeah. But I, I found like the wooden structure, uh, an etching okay. of the wooden structure. Oh, yes, yes. Which we will put all these pictures in the show notes yeah. for you.
1: So this looks much more like, I don't think I'd ever seen this before. Because when I picture that building, I'm like, this, this was a church.
0: Is there a date on that? Because I know that the towers were not added until 1874. So when that remodeling goes on, it is done in a high Victorian Gothic style. Yes,
1: I don't know what it looked like for the first few decades. Okay. But this is when the towers are added. And I was like, oh, that looks much more like a church. Yeah. Than
0: what we see today. Yeah.
1: So if you look at it today, the two sort of quote unquote towers on the right and left they've been truncated, so their tops are missing. So if you put like church steeple tops on those, you're like,
0: oh. I can see it now. I
1: see it now, yeah.
0: It's a cool looking building. It is. And you gotta think, when this goes up, 1826, I mean, we're coming off the great age of sail. Salem is f- bustling. It's filled with all of these beautiful opulent buildings, mm-hmm. a lot of wealth, a lot of money, a lot of famous people prime time
1: to build a big brick structure like that yeah
0: yep. now when it was f- built for the fourth time in 1826 the first church actually occupied the second floor mm-hmm. while renting out the first floor to various businesses which is pretty cool
1: and i i'm sure there's other examples of this right but like off my the top of my head i don't know any because most of like the churches today you see especially around new england these big white Centuries old churches dot, you know, the entire landscape of of the greater New England area.
0: And how often do they include like a retail space? Like never. And like, can you imagine going up to the second floor to go to church? Yeah, you don't walk in
1: the front of the church. There's not these big steeples. There's not. So you're going up the second floor, but they're like, hey, we're going to make our money and rent out the bottom floor. And you're like,
0: genius. So one of the first, if not the first, retail location to occupy that bottom floor was a glass and China shop, China shop owned by a Mr. William Boditch did he do anything else I can't well his father yes was quite famous and lived right around the corner actually actually just down the street uh, Mr. Next
1: to the witch house
0: yes yes so down down the street and around the corner on mm-hmm. uh, North Street Nathaniel mm-hmm. Boditch
1: author of The Practical Navigator.
0: Which we have talked about. A very famous and
1: still in use uh, today uh, navigational board of of the United States.
0: To follow him we have Edwin Ide opening a dry goods store and then John P. Peabody opened I don't even know what this is Ladies Furnishing Store. I don't know what would be a ladies furnishing store.
1: Do you have to furnish ladies? I I don't know. I don't get it. Is it like just makeup and bags? Like a ladies store? I don't know.
0: Right. And then we have the National Exchange Bank, which moved in in the 1860s and occupied the space from then to the 1870s. And that's when we get that bank vault installed, which you can still see today. And you can
1: eat in. So just if you go into Rockefellers, I think there's, a, I think it's only a table for two. Uh-huh. So if you want like a fun little date, be like, oh, can I have the bank vault? Well. So cool. Yeah.
0: We should go do it sometime. Okay. Not a date though.
1: Just like a food meal.
0: Yeah. Just a meal. Yeah. And it's supposedly haunted too. <laughs> like, like that's what I, so I. Maybe we'll get trapped inside. Confession. I was trying to find ghost stories for this to save for the end, Uh and much like the Hawthorne Hotel, you know, I was struggling to find any concrete things, stories, anecdotes, and so I went into the reviews, and I just typed in ghost haunting, and I saw no actual claims. Like, no one had seen anything or heard anything, but... A lot of people mentioned how the bank vault was supposedly the most haunted spot in, in the building. Just bizarre. Sure.
1: Unless someone you get locked in there and died. And, right. Or some pirates came in and tried to rob the silver. and I don't know.
0: Just a weird little quirk. Yeah. And in 1874, a Mr. Daniel Lowe moved in with his shop.
1: And I would argue that that is the most... Ah, uh, famous store in Salem.
0: Yeah, like for like, out of all of them, yeah. throughout yeah, throughout yeah. the centuries, <laughs> yeah, yeah, world famous yes. at one point. Yes. He had started his small jewelry and watch business six years prior. Uh, his original location was at the corner of Essex and Central Street,
1: which, which is going to either be Moose or Trolley Depot. And I, I, would, I would wager it's probably Essex and, uh, sorry, I'd, I'd wager it's probably the Trolley uh, Depot space, um, only because I know that that building uh, is, it dates back to at least that time. I don't know about the building across the street, uh, but that Customs House did stand there at that point in history.
0: And we've talked about Daniel Lowe before um, in regards to the Witch Spoon. So he was traveling over in... Europe in yeah. the 1880s. Jeffrey, Europe. Yay. <laughs> um, and he was inspired by these souvenir spoons, you know, the little small spoons that you can collect. They were becoming all the rage. And so upon his return, he decided to create a witch spoon for Salem. And by 1891, the company had trademarked the design.
1: So that's uh, a little bit of an anniversary date there. Just about. They, they they basically have it come out uh, for the anniversary of the trials, 1892.
0: Oh, I was like, which way are we going? Are we no, going, we're going forward back. going or, back. or backward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to help me out here, dude.
1: So the, the, the 200th anniversary of the Salem Witch Trials is, is when these spoons pretty much uh, debut.
0: Which is kind of ironic because people were interrogated inside the building that predated the one that he was selling them out of. Yes. Spooky. Yes. Spoony. spoop, spoopy, spoopy, spoon, key. Spooky, spoony. There we go. And he saw instant success with this. He advertised the spoons in a bunch of national publications, and they started getting orders from all over. And this prompted him to create... More. The first ever mail order catalog. Yes.
1: So a lot of you are probably depending on your age, <laughs> Our order with the, are familiar with catalogs, right? So you'd get it in the mail. Uh, Sears was like the big one because uh, the Sears robot catalog. Uh, you used to be able to buy houses out of that. Yep. Um, literally, you could open the catalog and be like, I'm going to order this house for like a couple thousand dollars, which is back in like the uh, mid-1900s. And they would send all of the equipment. You would get the walls, the windows, the plumbing, the toilets, the bath, and they just build the house for you. It was like a, Giant Lego set.
0: I remember being a kid and going to my grandma's house, mm-hmm. and she would have the J.C. Penny catalog, yep, yep. and I would just flip through that thing for hours, it's, like it's seeing all the stuff like and doom the pictures. Scrolling on, on, yeah, <laughs> on pages before we had you know technology like yeah. that.
1: Um, so the Sears Roebuck uh, is is probably the biggest mail order catalog that that ever goes out, but the Daniel Lowe catalog is the first,
0: and that was. First published in 1893, it was called the Daniel Lowe Yearbook. Now, they didn't just sell these spoons, obviously. He was a jeweler. He was a watchsmith. They also sold a variety of fine goods, including clocks, silverware, glasses, spectacles, all sorts of things. His shtick, as you could say, was gifts.
1: Yeah, it was a gift shop. Um, And what's also interesting about this is so... There's a few iterations of the spoon. Um, the first spoon, which I have one of, by the way. Which a I humble I brag. <laughs> but it's, it's nothing like our friend, I think we've mentioned this before, uh, Kenny Glover, who does a tour in Salem. We did a tour with him. It must have been nearly a year ago now.
0: It was for our cemetery episode. Yeah. He took us through Broad Street Cemetery.
1: And we bump, we're with him and we bump into a, a little cohort of Girl Scouts uh, being led and and he knows the guide. I think Am I, yeah. Remember? Whoever
0: was leading the girls, he knew them. Yeah, and they she knew had a,
1: a spoon. And he's like, "Oh well, it's nothing compared to my spoons." And he puts his bag down, opens it up, and like unrolls one of those like fine blue Cloth. cloths that you keep silver in. And he has like fifteen of them, and they are sparkling like polished to the nines like glittering silver treasure and
0: dude was just walking around them i was like who he had so many artifacts in his backpack i swear it was great
1: it was wild uh but yeah so there's several iterations of the spoon um they used to be for sale uh locally unfortunately the, the antique store down the wharf caught fire and is renovating but hopefully they'll be able to uh, you can go and see them or buy them if if you want Uh, but he also goes and puts that witch thing the logo image right on like 30 other products so it's like oh the, the, the souvenir spoon is the first but he then goes and makes all sorts of little witchy kitschy things
0: a precursor to everything you see in Salem today.
1: Yeah. They were on like lighters and tie pins and all sorts of stuff.
0: So that catalog, as we said, it was the first of its kind, made its way literally around the world, and it was extremely profitable. He had orders coming in from everywhere, and the Daniel Lowe name just spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. At its peak, the booklet grew to about 200 pages, and it would continue until 1981. That's, uh,
1: that's a little while.
0: It's a long time. Yeah. It makes sense, right? Because I would have been going to my grandma's house looking at the J.C. Penney catalog, mm-hmm. you know, in the 90s. So now, unfortunately, Daniel Lowe would die in 1911 and everyone talks about how this place is haunted but i don't think i've ever heard anyone suggest that it's daniel lowe that haunts the building
1: building? i don't think i have either
0: which i think would be the most appropriate because he actually died inside the store from a heart attack that i did not know Uh uh-huh Huh. We talk about it all the time, like this is not where this person died, right, so why right. would they haunt it? No, he, he spent so much of his time He's, there. His life there. His life there. That was his livelihood. That was his passion. That was his business. So why on earth have we not heard a ghost story about Daniel Lowe?
1: Maybe he wore blue suits and people are just...
0: Getting him confused with the blue lady. Yeah. It's been Daniel Lowe this no, whole, time. whole time. <laughs> we cracked the code.
1: Got it. Nailed it. I'm sure you saw uh, that he is buried in Harmony Grove.
0: Oh, yeah, I saw that.
1: Have you been? I haven't been. Should so we go on a...
0: I, th- I was going <laughs> to pop over there after we got done recording. I wanted to go beforehand. Um, I saw the Find a Grave. And I want to say that, because I've walked that place so many times, right. I want to say I've seen, because it's one of those rocks, like the, the family plot oh, is a yeah, stone, yeah. and then the stone just has a plaque on it that says low. And then in, because I imagine it was going to be some big... Some- a monument,
1: spoon, right? Like a-
0: no, Jeffrey, <laughs> not a spoon. But I thought there would be more to it, and his plaque is just sitting on the ground. But his family plot does have a nice, sizable boulder with the uh, just name. The name low, on low. It. Okay, it's in. If you were, if you were. On the road with all the trees, like if you were on the outside of the cemetery looking at the cemetery, yep. it's the bottom left hand side. So I think that's where some of the newer graves are. So it makes sense that he's over there. But I'm gonna hunt him down. I, <laughs> I'm very excited to find it. I don't want I I want it to be like a surprise. Like I don't want to look where the exact plot is. You
1: want to wander a little bit and yeah. Start, yeah. accidentally intentionally stumble upon it.
0: I want to scavenge. I got it. His death did make front-page news in the Salem Evening News, of course. The headline reads, Sudden death of Daniel Lowe in his store yesterday. Well-known businessman, head of the big mail-order jewelry and silverware firm, expired suddenly, had developed enormous trade all over the world from a small store at the corner of Essex and Washington Streets. So apparently he had been suffering from some ailments. Um, It was well known to him, his condition, to his family. And he was in such a decline that even his business associates started to notice that he was not doing so well. He was in his late 60s. He would have actually celebrated his, I believe, 69th birthday on February 13th, so just 10 days later. And around 1 o'clock, he was dictating a correspondence to his stenographer and complained of not feeling well. The heart attack ensued shortly thereafter. He was only conscious for a brief period of time, but this is super eerie. Apparently, when he's going through the heart attack and before he goes unconscious, he expressed that he knew that this was fatal. Like He knew he was going to die. Which is so uh, <laughs> yeah. death
1: death death is a weird thing, strange thing.
0: I'll uh, I'll try to put this article up on the show notes. It is quite extensive, but it talks all about his history and the prosperity of the business. Salem lost a, a significant figure that Absolutely. day. Absolutely.
1: But the company still survives. His son, Seth, continues to run the build, uh, run the company. And it's shortly thereafter, we mentioned before, that the um, first church, so at, even for all of Daniel Lowe's life, the first church is still utilizing the space above him. Uh, so he's still like just renting a space in another building, which I think is just
0: weird. Interesting,
1: Right? You're like this huge, yeah, I'm sending these catalogs. All across the country, this huge business, and I'm still just renting a spot. In this I building. wonder
0: if they ever raised his rent. Like, right? oh, yeah, we know you're making some cash.
1: <laughs> um, but once they move out, um, I saw this, which I didn't know, and, and this is wild. Uh, his son creates a grand staircase between the first and second floors, which has since been demolished. I know.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, they, so they purchased the building uh, in 1923 from the first church, and... I tell you, it's one of those lost Salem things things that jinx again, (sighs) just like the old train station. Obviously, this is much smaller, but can you imagine going into Rockefellers today? Or
1: you could have gotten off the train station and gone in there.
0: <laughs> yeah getting off the train station that beautiful gothic style train uh-huh. station go into that building and there's this grand staircase that leads up to the second floor
1: yeah I,
0: okay I got, we gotta find a picture I gotta find I, a picture I, I,
1: maybe they have one maybe I don't know but yeah I because you, you you see it the way it is today and it's like it's gorgeous it has the outside they redid it and they're like it used to be just a grand staircase here. It's cool. a bummer. Yeah.
0: But yes, his, his son, Seth, takes over the business um, until he dies in 1939, after which his widow, Florence, mm-hmm. assumed the operations and ownership. Now, she would continue the business until 1955, when a Mr. William Follett purchased Daniel Owen Company. He maintained the name, maintained the mission, and would operate it as such until 1994.
1: What? That's crazy.
0: Isn't that crazy? I knew that.
1: But like when you read it, you're like, wait, I was...
0: Alive. I was here.
1: I was here. I, I was alive. alive. <laughs> yeah. When the Daniel Owen Company, this building and this operation that stood for the better part of a century,
0: is still just kicking For around. more than a century. Yeah. It's a shame. We were just a little off, a little late. Mm-hmm. But... What that means is there are people that are living in Salem today that walk the streets and remember going to the Daniel Lowen Company probably to purchase gifts for their loved Go ones. Go in, get a
1: Christmas gift, get an anniversary gift. Uh, so that's all. That's all pretty neat. So while you know we're talking you know mid eighteen hundreds history, we're also talking their people
0: nineteen eighties nineteen eighties yeah crazy. It is a business and a location that has spanned. A, a very big chunk of Salem's timeline. Yeah, William Follett would operate it until he was 75 years old. There's a really great article from the Boston Sunday Globe and it uh, has some quotes from him and he's, he reportedly used to work like six days a week, always came to work in a suit. It just seemed like an all around amazing guy that the, uh, the town really embraced. And then uh did it stay empty after that? I couldn't find I didn't see anything between that
1: yeah, that's that almost
0: chunk of years. Ten years. So almost all of the nineties. But you gotta think this is kind of when Salem well malls are becoming a big thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's partially why the Daniel Owen company kinda, you know, went to sleep for a little bit. Didn't totally oh well, it did totally shut down, but it'll be revived. But this is a time when malls are opening up yeah. and downtown districts aren't nearly as busy as they once were. Believe it or not, if, if you were to walk down Essex Street, say in the 1980s, 70s, 60s, it would have been lined with retail shops.
1: Uh, some huge names. And also, uh, it wasn't a pedestrian walkway.
0: No. Yeah.
1: There that's used- also a relatively new development.
0: There used to so, be cars going up and down.
1: Yeah, you see old pictures of Essex Street and you're like, Wait, there's just cars driving around there? Okay.
0: In that article from 1994, he's talking about how when it was in its heyday in downtown, cars would be parked along Essex Street, two to three deep, and police officers would just look the other way just because it was you know a bustling, prosperous time.
1: Don't, pretty much
0: the same thing happens today. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Or you get towed. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) They'll tow you.
0: Yeah, they love to tow. Yeah. Uh,
1: But it is just about 10 years later in 2003 that the restaurant that we've talked about a couple of times so far, Rockefellers, uh, opens. And they actually have, they utilize the second floor as well. Uh, That's their colonial hall, I think with like a 400 person seating space, which is massive. I have not actually been up
0: there. I haven't yet either. Um,
1: We should go and tour, see if we can get down into the, tunnel and up yes. into the yeah yeah i, I did say tunnel we'll, we'll get there in a second um but they actually uh so it's a great spot great place to go and they got a bar a great little restaurant you can eat in the vault have your wedding there um
0: yeah can you imagine doing a wedding up top oh it's good
1: i've i've seen people come and go because the the Cologne so we mentioned a little while ago that first church 1629 is on the i guess if you're looking at the front of the building it's on the back Left corner. That's also the entrance to Colonial Hall. That's also near where I stop for my tour and near where you stop for yours. Have you ever seen wedding parties come and go? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. So you're just like standing there and all of a sudden there's like a bunch of bridesmaids or groomsmen are coming up and down the stairs. It's kind of wild. But uh, it's a great place to go. Have a little bite. They also just recently renovated. Looks real nice in there.
0: Yeah. So if you haven't gone to Rockefeller's in what the past Year, year. Yeah. Uh, it's going to look a little different. The bar is completely different, but it's still a great place. Good food, great drinks. Can do a mystery I'm shot. Say they, they
1: got the mystery shot there
0: for five bucks. Yeah. You don't know what's in it, but you hope it's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think if you're taking a mystery shot, you don't care. You're just like, no, nope. done.
0: Did that a couple times in October.
1: Do we do we want to move on to some? Myths and legends?
0: Yes, but I did want to mention real quick that Daniel Lowen Company was reestablished. Ah, okay. So this, in 2019, James McCluskey mm-hmm. assumed the rights, purchased the rights.
1: Yeah, he bought all the rights to the name, to the image, to the logo of the Daniel Lowen Company.
0: And reopened the store in 2022.
1: Uh, and you can actually find some of his products uh, around town.
0: Yeah, and uh, online as well. Yes. well. We'll link it in the show notes. And according to him, they still work with some of the original suppliers. Interesting. Just quite neat. But yes, on to The Hauntings.
1: So I think uh, if you are ghost episode.
0: I think it might have been either the ghost episode or perhaps with... Uh, Dr. Vitka?
1: Dr. Vitka, yes. We talked about the infamous Blue Lady uh, of Salem, the Blue Lady of Rockefellers. Actually, if you go in there today and you go to the hostess stand, uh, they actually have a little framed picture of a picture that was taken just outside Rockefellers with this odd-looking spectral blue form uh, right dead center in the picture.
0: I mean, it looks like a you see a lot of ghost pictures, but this one looks pretty legit.
1: Yeah, it's definitely sort of top of the list of of what happened, or sorry, top of the list of what you'd think a ghost picture would look like.
0: And who knows? Could be Daniel Lowe.
1: D- yeah, maybe it's maybe he was wearing a a, a, a
0: robe or something. I say like an overcoat, right? <laughs> when he like died,
1: a, like a big blue overcoat, like a nice wool. Yeah, right. It's possible. Who knows? But yes, yeah, so a Rockefeller's is reported to be haunted by the Blue Lady. Uh, there's several stories that go along with that. Um, so many variations. There's a big painting in the back of the restaurant. You can actually see it just if you're walking by. You don't have to go in. So if you're just walking down Essex Street and sort of look in, there's a little jazz band painting in the back. And I guess the artist uh, had rendered it, had sketched it out, had proposed it. Uh, there's a woman. she's she blonde?
0: I think she was supposed to be blonde and in a red, red dress. dress.
1: Sort of that iconic blonde red dress look. Uh, and he's painting it. And he just decides to do it blue. The picture of the blue lady had already been taken and was already known. But I guess he knew nothing of it because it wasn't as widely Publicized as it is today Uh, And
0: he's just going in for a job
1: You know just going to paint this thing And he's like you know what he just gets a feeling It's going to be blue instead And uh, he's like halfway done with it When like the general manager comes up He's like what are you doing He's like oh I just decided to to paint it blue instead And he's like
0: Do you know about the blue lady
1: And he's like what do you mean the blue lady And so he had no idea So just a coincidence Or uh
0: Perhaps
1: Perhaps he was influenced by some possessed. Possess-
0: <laughs> I had one I had one kid on my tour ask last night if there were any exorcisms performed in Salem. I was like, I think that's more of a Catholic thing. Yeah. We're
1: we're not we don't have a lot of those here. Do we even have a Catholic church here? We must.
0: There's gotta be one in, I think there's one in town. Yeah, probably. There definitely wasn't one back in sixteen ninety two though. <laughs> no way.
1: And of course tie to the blue lady is uh one of our uh, favorite topics and I, i've got to ask sarah did you did you wear that intentionally
0: no today i just it was comfy
1: okay okay
0: <laughs> i'm wearing my salem tunnel hunters association sweatshirt right now
1: because one of the uh only known tunnels does exist between Rockefeller's and an adjacent building
0: it's not three miles it doesn't lead to the harbor
1: it's like Ten feet.
0: From what we know, there's no opium down there, but there could be. I mean, hey, probably not. I don't know. Working in the restaurant industry, <laughs> the
1: stuff that <laughs> people do to stay alive—it's it's, not—it's <laughs> it's in the—it's in the pocket of the bartenders. It's not—it's <laughs> not hidden in the walls down the tunnels. Come on, Sarah. Um, but yeah. So, uh, not only is it wrought with with witch trial history with economic local history, but we do get a fun little ghost story and an actual tunnel uh, out of Rockefellers as well.
0: A little baby tunnel.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, I think I reiterated this maybe in a ghost story at one point. That my The original story I was told is that there was a woman who was buried in the walls of an adjacent tunnel that linked up with that tunnel, and she died in the alleyway, shot, and murdered... Lover's quarrel and, and all these things. But
0: but I don't think we have any proof. But it makes for a great story. It
1: does. It does. It does. It makes for a wonderful story.
0: And last thing I'll mention about hauntings. If you were, perhaps you were visiting Salem in the past couple of years, around uh, 2018, mm-hmm. you may have heard a little thing about Travel Channel's Haunted Salem Live special.
1: It's wild. We were both. We were, we were both working that weekend, that night. Even.
0: Yeah, we were both touring with yeah. groups of people while this was going on. So in 2018, they brought together three different groups of well-known ghost hunters on Travel Channel and did a live four-hour ghost hunt at three different locations: the old Ipswich jail, so not uh-huh. even in Salem, the Proctor House. And Rockefellers. Yeah.
1: I was I remember I was giving a tour that night and I was stood outside in Higginson Square telling this ghost story. Uh this is when I worked for a ghost storytelling company. Oh my gosh,
0: we were both working for ghost tours <laughs> at that time.
1: <laughs> um and I and I was like, this is so cool because I'm telling this ghost story to my guides on tour, and I was like, And hey, by the way, if you're looking over, like, go back to your hotel. And, and put this on. Put on the travel channel. They're like live streaming it all night and it's gonna be playing uh all day. My biggest question though is how much it must have cost to rent out Rockefellers. It was the first
0: weekend in October. Yeah, I want to say it was either like the first, like October first or October fourth. It's yeah. like somewhere around there. Yeah. Obviously we weren't as busy in 2018. But it was But it was busy.
1: You have to shut down the restaurant. It must have been just a little
0: pricey see you bring up the cost i was thinking the whole time what about the noise how on earth are you going to decipher between like evps and some right? drunk person outside screaming because i was there at like I don't
1: know, seven eight at night yeah I'm like you should be doing this at like three in the morning
0: and not in october
1: yeah it's bizarre yeah. do it january 4th at 4 a.m
0: did you ever watch it no i did not i didn't either i i heard I remember they made such a huge thing about yeah. it and like it was interactive. So you're watching their footage. And if you see anything, you like you like, could write in or tweet in or yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I think I, I went to watch it. I, think, I might be making this up. It was hard to find
0: that. And I think I got bored. I was like, this is four <laughs> hours and I just you're staring at this. I, I want them to summarize it for me. Like, <laughs> like, like,
1: a, like a 10 minute YouTube video. Yeah. not Like a, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: But I get it. It was, I think it was the first of its kind and people probably ate it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, ripe with history from before Salem even existed all the way up into modern day. We've got the first church. We've got Daniel Lowe and company. Now we've got Rockefellers. And mystery shots,
1: which is probably a little different than the clean drinking water that George Washington liked outside. But <laughs> hey.
0: We should go get a mystery shot and bring it to Daniel Lowe's grave. The connections.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I, I don't think that's legal.
0: No, you can't. You can put it in your pocket. That's also illegal. Also illegal. Not... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that. <laughs> we'll bring him something better than a mystery uh. shot, anyways. <laughs> oh, I can bring the spoon. Oh, it's a good idea.
1: Like of the spoon next to his grave. Yeah. That'd be kind of neat.
0: Yeah. I just imagined you digging up the grave with a spoon.
1: That's a lot. And it's, it's a very little spoon and it's silver. It's not like.
0: Yeah, I know. That's why it was very funny in my (laughs) head. (laughs) Is this your favorite intersection yet? No. Do you have one? No. Okay. Well, kind of want you to pick one. (laughs) I know (laughs) it's 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 more fun this way it's just so cool it
1: is it's a very very neat place and sort of just to think of all the things that that have happened in and around uh, that square for the past 400 years is is pretty neat
0: again much like many places here in Salem there's just so many layers of history
1: we are an onion yeah gonna make you cry too
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that.
1: (laughs) Salem the onion. we get a little like history onion or something.
0: I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. As you peel back the layers.
0: We still got to make that board.
1: Yeah. You mentioned me about that the other day and I was like do we have a uh, we have no wall space.
0: We'll find somewhere to do it. Yeah. I think we've mentioned before we want to. Do one of those crazy boards with all the Salem topics and the red string that goes to each one and how everything's connected.
1: Like the red line.
0: Yeah, let's bring, it's. we're bringing back the red line, our style. Heck
1: yeah. But yes. I
0: suggested to Jeffrey that we get drunk while we do it and we'll film it for the Patreon and so, we'll, we'll write down all the topics, put them in a hat and then just start picking them out. But there's, there's like too many. It's like hundreds It'll be a multiple day thing. That's a lot of drinking. We'll figure it out. Okay,
1: okay, that's a that's a that's a maybe a winter project.
0: Okay, fine.
1: <laughs> it will be pretty good though, because
0: it's all connected.
1: But that's Rockefellers, Daniel Low and Company, First Church of Salem, whatever you want to call it. Uh, history for you.
0: We hope this kind of rounded out your understanding of that location we know it it's really easy to just pass by and you know not even notice the first church sign not or the, even or the big daniel low and company sign right right or and i'm sure a lot of people look at it and they're just like what's that yeah so i hope next time you go in for your mystery shot or food you uh
1: cheers to the blue lady or to daniel low or to george washington or to roger williams or
0: bridget bishop all the above on that note thanks for listening see you later